And open your Bible to the Gospel of Matthew. Hallelujah. Matthew chapter 6 tonight and verse 9. San Mateo capítulo 6 y verso 9 esta noche. It's good to be in the house of the Lord, isn't it? Amen. Praise the Lord. I want to share just three simple things tonight out of this passage of scripture, Matthew chapter 9, pardon, chapter 6, verse 9, San Mateo capítulo 6 y el verso 9, Jesus taught the disciples to pray, and this is the famously known as the Lord's Prayer, uh, it could also be known as the Disciples' Prayer, because he was teaching the disciples how to pray. Este pasaje que vamos a leer es famosamente conocido como la oración del Señor, y uh, creo que no era la intención ni la enseñanza de Jesús que usted y yo repitiéramos esta oración como alguna, algunos lo hacen, uh, como un rezo, sino que fuere para nosotros la fórmula de la oración. Now, this prayer was not taught by Jesus as a, as a means of repetition. Uh, he didn't teach us the Lord's Prayer as a means of repeating uh, in the form of prayer, but rather as a format or a formula for how to pray. And uh, we're not going to go too deeply into that tonight because that's not the subject of our uh, study tonight. But I just want you to know that uh, Jesus is teaching us a, a, a formula to prayer. He begins by talking about adoration, worshiping God. That's the way we begin our prayer life, is our life of worship. When you go to prayer, uh, whether it be in your coffee table or at your dinner table or your sofa or your car or your um, church, wherever it is you, you pray, you begin with worship to God, adoration. And then uh, we read that he has a prayer of commitment and confession. He says, yours is the kingdom and uh, your will be done. That is a commitment to God's will. And then we see the confession, forgive us and uh, forgive our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Then we see the petition, the praying for daily bread, and then ultimately the conclusion of the prayer once again is adoration. Uh, but tonight I want to uh, speak specifically from the doxology, verse 13. So let's begin at verse 9. Jesus said, pray then in this way, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power of and the glory forever. Amen. Would you bow your heads with me in prayer? Father, I thank you tonight for the awesome opportunity we have had to be in your house and to be able to worship you, to sense your presence. I thank you also that you have given us this word, the Bible, which is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. It's able to reach to the very issues of our heart, Tonight I would ask that you would reach to the issues of our hearts, that you would speak to the need of the moment in our life, 
all of us are in different moments in our life. All of us have different situations, different needs, different priorities. But all of us can feed tonight on this word. And so I ask you to speak to each person individually by the power of your spirit and anoint my lips as a tool that you might use to do that. We ask that in Jesus' name. And the church said, Amen. Amen. I want to focus on verse 3 tonight. And there are three confessions that we see there in verse uh, 13, I should say, uh, that I want us to uh, meditate on and chew on for a few moments. Quiero compartir el verso 13. Tres confesiones que hayamos allí en el libro de Mateo, capítulo 6, verso 13, que son importantes para nuestra vida de fe y nuestra vida espiritual. These three confessions are important for the Christian life and they are important for our spiritual life because they are foundational. Son esas tres confesiones fundamentales. Uh, they're foundational to our faith and ultimately foundational to our prayer life. Son fundamentales a nuestra vida de oración. How many of you want to have a powerful prayer life? ¿Cuántos quieren tener una poderosa vida de oración? Entonces la, la oración tiene como fundamento estas tres cosas. Our prayer life has as its foundation these three things tonight. Now when I use the word confession, uh, there are different ways that people think about confessions. And I just want to explain that a little bit because it's important for you to know what I mean and what uh, I think the scripture uh, teaches. Es importante saber cuando yo uso la palabra confesión. ¿Qué estamos diciendo? ¿Qué, ¿A qué se refiere? Uh, many of you may have uh, grown up in a religious tradition that had confession or confessional where you went and you confessed your sins to a priest or minister. That's not what we're talking about tonight. Now, cuando yo hablo de la confesión, quizá algunos de ustedes crecieron en una tradición la cual uh, ustedes iban a un confesionario para hablar con un sacerdote y confesar sus pecados Ese, esa no es la confesión de la cual yo hablo. The confession I'm talking about is uh, the confession that we read about in the scripture. Now there's another tradition, hay otra tradición que dice que uh, si usted confiesa lo que usted quiere, this tradition says, well, if you just confess long enough what you want, it eventually it will appear in your life. Uh, otros enseñan que si usted confesa uh, seguidamente lo que quiere y lo que desea, que uh, eventualmente va a aparecer en su vida. And there is some truth to that. Hay alguna verdad en eso. But sometimes, uh, when misunderstood, a veces cuando se malentiende ese principio, people think that they can confess things and live the opposite of them and still receive what they're confessing. Uh, you can't confess good health and then live with poor diet. Alright, so you've got to do a little doing along with a good confession. Say amen, somebody. Usted no puede confesar buena salud y luego vivir con un mal, una mala dieta. Y luego decir, Dios me va a sanar, soy sano, soy sano. Y cada vez, cada día comiendo algo mal. Entonces usted tiene que hacer con sus obras lo que su vida, lo que su boca confiesa. Alright, but the confession I'm talking about tonight is uh, what... The book of Romans talks about when it says that if we will confess with our mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, then we can be saved. It's talking about an 
essential belief and understanding that we declare as truth. La confesión que yo estoy hablando es una, una entendimiento, una creencia, una fe esencial, la cual declaramos en, sobre nuestra vida como siendo una verdad. I confess tonight Jesus Christ as Lord. I am making an, a declaration of my personal faith and confidence in that statement. Y si yo digo esta noche, yo confieso a Jesús como Señor, yo estoy declarando uh, la realidad que mi fe está basada en es, el hecho de que Jesús es Señor. I cannot, listen now, I cannot by saying that he is Lord, make him Lord. He's already Lord. So I'm not saying something that in order to create it, but rather I am saying what is already the truth. That's what we're talking about tonight. Yo no puedo al decir Cristo es Señor, hacerlo Señor. Él ya es Señor. Entonces yo no estoy declarando algo para crear una realidad nueva, sino estoy diciendo lo que ya es la verdad. And in this verse tonight, in the end of the Lord's Prayer, Jesus gives us three confessions. There are three declarations that you and I need to make and understand as, as being the foundation of our Christian life and our Christian experience. I wish I had the time to go through the Lord's Prayer because it is a gold mine of richness. But I don't have the time to do that tonight. What I can recommend is that uh, a, uh, a year ago we taught a, a series on The Lord's Prayer is called Thine uh, th uh, on Earth as it is in Heaven. And if you go back in the church podcast, you'll find On Earth as it is in Heaven. You'll be able to hear all about you know, the Lord's Prayer. But tonight, I want to deal with these three confessions. Here's the first one. Jesus taught us as a, as a foundation of this prayer. He used this doxology. It's an expression of worship to God. He said, yours is the kingdom. Can you say that with me tonight? Yours is the kingdom. Now that is a confession of faith. La primer confesión que vemos aquí esta noche es esta. Tuyo es el reino. Now you don't, by saying it, make the kingdom his. But rather you are affirming that the kingdom is his and that you have believed that this word is. Is true. Cuando decimos tuyo es el reino, no estamos añadiendo algo o haciéndolo rey, sino declarando que él ya es rey. Now, I want you to understand why I said this is foundational. Because if you are asking for daily bread, and if you are asking for God to forgive your trespasses and to help you to forgive, all of these things that the Lord's Prayer teaches us, there is at the foundation an essential understanding in our faith that says this about God. If I don't know anything else about God, I've got to know this about Him, that He is in absolute, complete, sovereign authority. That the kingdom belongs to Him. Para la base de cualquier oración, tenemos que entender que el reino le pertenece a Él. Why would we ask something of him that we didn't have confidence that he could give us? 
De otra manera, ¿por qué pedirle algo que no tenemos confianza que Él nos pueda dar? Why can I ask, give me this day my daily bread? Because the bread belongs to Him. Say amen, somebody. Why can I ask Him for grace to forgive my debtors and to forgive people who have hurt me? Because the grace belongs to Him. Why can I ask for provisions for my daily needs and my family's needs and, and for health in my body and healing in my bones? Because healing and health belongs to Him. So when we say, yours is the kingdom, we are making that declaration of faith from our heart that says, God, everything belongs to you. You are the sovereign king of everything. I don't go uh, to McDonald's uh, to ask for caldo de pollo because they don't have caldo de pollo there. You can't find that at McDonald's because uh, they don't make it there. So you've got to go to a place where they make that in order to get that. But you see, God has everything you could possibly need on the menu. And whatever the church needs, it has to understand that when you go to God, He has everything that you need. I have faith in God because I believe that His is the kingdom. Yo tengo fe en Dios porque yo creo que de Él es el reino. Now, let's go and uh, unpack this a little bit. In the book of Isaiah, chapter 46, verse 8. Through 11. Vamos a desempacar esto un poco. Isaías, el capítulo 46, verso 8 al 11. All right, go find that, please, in your Bible, because there's a few things I want you to mark there. Isaiah 46, Isaías 46, verse 8 through 11, verso 8 al 11. First of all, we read here that the Bible says, remember this. Remember this and stand firm. God wants you to remember something about Him. Dios quiere que usted se recuerde algo de Él. What does God want you to remember? ¿Qué es lo que Dios quiere que usted recuerde? Now, uh, the reason that we're going here tonight is because uh, as, as a body, the last couple of weeks have been tough for some people. All right, it's been, a, it's, been a, it's been an interesting month, hasn't it? All right, so just, we're just going to address the elephant in the room. All right, we're not preaching as though we're all here. Uh, we just had the, the easiest month of our life, and now we're going to January, or into February, the month of love and Valentine's and roses, and everything is just sweet and chocolatey, all right? All of us have been through some stuff. All right, and so God tonight sends me with a word for you. And this is the word. He says, remember this and stand firm. Because we have to remember this because when stuff's happening, we tend to forget. A veces cuando pasan cosas, pasan Vientos y olas en nuestra vida se nos olvida. Sometimes storms cause us to forget. But God says, remember this and stand firm. What does he want me to remember? He says, recall it to mind, you transgressors. Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is no 
other. What does God want you to remember tonight? He wants you to remember this, that His is the kingdom. So when, when trouble shows up in our life, we have to look at that trouble and say, yours is the kingdom. When a challenge appears in your life, you have to look up to God and say, yours is the kingdom. Somebody say with me, yours is the kingdom. God, you are God and there is no other. Remember this and stand on it. Recuerda esto. God says, I am God, and there is no other. God is God, and there is no vice God, no vice president. There is no, no one who can impeach him. There is no one who can remove him. There is no one who can ask him to resign. There is no one that he answers to. There is no court above him. There is no one who has the last word after him. He says, remember, church, remember this. I am God. And there is no other. It's the same thing we heard from the psalmist when he said, be still. And know what? That I am God. Lo mismo enseña el salmista, estate quieto y saber esto, que yo soy Dios. It's easy to forget that sometimes because when trouble comes into our life, we look at the trouble and the trouble is bigger than us, so we assume it's bigger than God. But God reminds us tonight, remember, stand on this truth, I am God. And there is no other. And then he says, I am God and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning, from ancient times, things not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand and I will accomplish my purpose. Now we see there the second thing he wants you to remember, and that is that he can tell the end from the beginning. You know the Super Bowl's coming? We all don't know about that, right? Don't know, don't care. Somebody said. Well, does anybody know who's going to win? The one with the most points. That's yeah, I can't believe y'all don't know. Well, I don't know either. But you see, God knows. Now, that was so weak. I have to give you another chance to get that one right. I said, God knows. God knows who's going to win the Super Bowl. In fact, God knows who's going to be in the Super Bowl next year. And he knows who's going to be in the Super Bowl the year after that. And in 10 years, if there's still a Super Bowl, and Jesus hasn't returned, guess what? God knows who's going to be in that game too. And he knows every play that's going to be called. And he knows the outcome of every play. Now, I want you to just take that word Super Bowl and put it into your life. Because I'm not talking about the Super Bowl. I'm talking about your life. God knows what's going to happen in your life tomorrow. And the day after tomorrow. And the year after that. And the year after that. Come on, somebody. God says, I declare the end from the beginning. 
Dios dice yo declaro el fin desde el principio. So you don't have to worry and you don't have to cry about the voice of the enemy that comes into your ear and tells you you're going to fail, you're going to be a disaster, you're not going to get anywhere, this is going to be the worst year of your life. You don't have to listen to that lying snake's voice because God says I have already told you from the beginning what I'm going to do at the end of this thing. Remember this and stand firm. I am God. I declare the end from the beginning. God knows the outcome before the beginning. And then number three, he says, my counsel will stand. Luego nos dice, mi consejo será seguro. My decisions. God says, the decision I've made, nobody can undo it. La decisión que Dios ha hecho, nadie la puede deshacer. It, listen, if God said yes, all of hell can't say no. And if God said no, all of hell can't say yes. He said, my counsel will stand. What, what is God saying to you? He's saying, my word is good forever. You can, you can take it to the bank. La palabra de Dios es buena para siempre. Usted la puede llevar y depositarla en el banco de la fe. Porque Dios no uh, cambia sus decisiones o sus estatutos. And then he says, my purpose will be accomplished. What I have spoken uh, uh, will come to pass. Mi propósito, mi propósito será cumplido. Lo que yo he hablado, lo que yo he prometido, eso se va I said, you've got to let this tonight become your confession. Yours is the kingdom. And Lord, when I say that, what I understand by that is that you have declared the end from the beginning, that your decision over my life stands, and that your purpose over my life is going to come to pass no matter what happens in my life, no matter what detours come into my life, God, your purpose is going to come to pass in my life. Come on, somebody, because I'm talking about not just you, but your children and your grandchildren. Look, if he said you and your house will be saved, you've got to look at the circumstances of your life and say, Lord, yours is the kingdom. You are the one in authority. Your purpose is going to come to pass. It's going to prevail in my life. God says, what I have purpose, I will do it. How many of you believe this tonight? You see, this is the foundation of every one of our prayers. The foundation of every one of our prayers is that when I ask God for help, that I believe he has the authority to help me. Ese es el fundamento de nuestras oraciones. Cuando yo oro, estoy creyendo que Dios puede y tiene la autoridad para hacerlo. El reino le pertenece a él. But now, Jesus takes it a little bit further. Jesús lo lleva un poco más allá because Jesus said this. He said, all authority in heaven and in earth has been given unto me. And then he gave that authority to the church. Jesús dijo, toda autoridad en el cielo y la tierra se me ha dado a mí. Y luego le dio autoridad 
a la iglesia. So you and I are not just talking to a God who is in authority, but we're talking to a God who has given us authority. Estamos hablando en la oración no solamente con un Dios que tiene autoridad, pero el Dios que nos ha dado autoridad. You don't have to ask the devil's permission to do anything. The authority belongs to you as a child of God. Usted no le tiene que pedir permiso al diablo para hacer nada porque ya la autoridad la tiene usted. In fact, he has to get permission from you in order to come into your house. Él tiene que pedirte a, a, a usted la, el permiso para entrar a su casa. You say, well, pastor, the devil's already in my house. Well, guess what? You take the authority you have in the name of Jesus, go home tonight and serve him an eviction notice. You can't stay here. The blood of Jesus is against you and you stand on the authority that Jesus Christ has given you as a child of God. I don't know if that's going to work. Yes, it will work when you work it. Say that with me. It will work when I work it. If I see a Christian being beat down and whooped by the devils because they're not working. They're being worked over. By the devil, by circumstances, and by troubles and tribulations. And you and I have to decide God's word works and I'm going to work it. His authority has been given to me. I am a child of God. The blood of Jesus has made me able to cast down strongholds. And I'm going to take that authority in the name of Jesus. Say, yours is the kingdom. Listen, if you believe that. What is outside of the realm of possibility? If you believe that the kingdom belongs to him, what can't he do? Si usted cree que el reino le pertenece a él, ¿qué está fuera de la autoridad de él? Now, the second confession is connected to that because he says, yours is the kingdom and the power. Say that with me. Yours is the power. Ahora tenemos la segunda confesión que vemos aquí. Jesús nos enseña a decir, tuyo es el reino y el poder. Say it again. Yours is the power. You have to go and pray to a God who has power. Why go pray to a God who has no power? The psalmist said, the gods of this world have ears, but they can't hear. They have eyes, but they can't see. They have a mouth and a throat, but they cannot utter a sound. They have arms, but they cannot embrace you. They have feet, but they cannot walk towards you. In other words, in other words the gods of this world have no power. They have to be carried around. They have to be hoisted on men's shoulders. They have to be hung on people's uh, necks and for jewelry. They have to be carried in someone's wallet in a little card. They have to be lifted up because they have no power. 
But the God who spoke to Israel speaks to you tonight and he says, you don't have to carry me because I am the one that carries you. I am the one with the power. Come on, somebody. He said, you don't have to lift me. I am the one that's going to lift you. I'm the one who has the power. Yours is the power. Tuyo es el poder. The scripture says this, Jeremiah chapter 32, verse 27. Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is anything too hard? Jeremías capítulo 32, verso 27, dice, He aquí yo soy el Señor, Dios de toda la tierra, y habrá algo muy difícil para mí. Ask yourself tonight, is there a limit to God's power? ¿Habrá límite para el poder de Dios? Listen, who's asking the questions here? In the book of Jeremiah. The Lord. ¿Quién es el que hace la pregunta aquí? Es el Señor el que la hace. Y él dice, habrá algo muy difícil para mí. Is anything too hard for God? So when you look at the challenge in front of you, you need to, you need to re remind yourself there is nothing too difficult for God. Cuando usted vea un desafío delante de usted, tiene que saber, no hay nada muy difícil para Dios. Nothing. Nada. Nothing too difficult for God. Listen, there is no problem, no promise that God can't fulfill. Half the church heard me. I said, there is no promise that God can't fulfill. If he made a promise, it's because he can fulfill it. There is no prayer that God can't answer. There is no problem that God can't solve. There is no place that God can't go. And there is no person that God can't deliver. So let me just ask you, do you have a promise? Then God can fulfill his promise to you. And if you have a prayer, guess what? You have a prayer answering God. And if you have a problem, guess what? You have a problem solving God. And if you have a place, then God can get to the place where you are. And if you are a man or a woman or a child, God can reach you and save you and deliver you. Come on, somebody. Is there anything too hard for God? Habrá algo imposible para Dios. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20 and 21. It says, now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or even imagine. Efesios capítulo 3 verso 20 nos dice que Dios puede hacer mucho más allá. Que lo que usted pueda pedir o imaginar. I think the biggest problem that we have, can I be honest? Yo vamos a 
I think we're learning how to ask. But we really not yet learn how to imagine. Thank you, Jesus, we're learning how to ask. Estamos aprendiendo a pedir. But he didn't say, I can just do what you ask. He said, I can do beyond what you ask and beyond what you imagine. Él dice, yo puedo hacer más allá que lo que tú pides y más allá que lo que tú puedes imaginar. Cuando usted comienza a pensar en lo que Dios puede hacer, when you start to think about what God can do, uh, I get excited sometimes just thinking about what God is going to do. A veces yo me emociono nomás pensando en lo que Dios va a hacer. It's way beyond asking. It goes to a place where we are saying, Lord, I am dreaming the way you dream. I am thinking the way you think. I believe that you can do above, exceeding and abundantly above all that I could ask or even imagine according to the power. Listen, listen. According to the power that works where? In you. You see, the power resides in us because of the presence of the Holy Spirit. El poder ya habita dentro de nosotros por la presencia del Espíritu Santo. Say it again, yours is the power. Now, if you try to do it by your power, then you have to say it like this, mine is the kingdom, and mine is the power, and yours will be the result. But if you can confess, yours is the kingdom, I don't understand what you're doing. I really don't even like it, and I don't agree right now. But yours is the kingdom. At first it tickled, but now it's pinching. And it feels like it's going to hurt a little bit, but yours is the kingdom. And yours is the power. God, you can set it up and you can tear it down. God, you can raise up a president and tear him down. You can set up a king and tear him down. Yours is the power. And then we have the third confession tonight. Thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory. Say that with me tonight. Yours is the glory. Let's try that again. Yours is the glory. You see, God doesn't have any problem giving us the answer to our prayers. So long as we say yours is the glory. Dios no tiene problema con darnos lo que le pedimos. Lo que Él quiere es la gloria. Now, if you don't understand this word glory, this 21st century uh, person, let me just explain like this. God says, mine is the credit. El crédito es de Dios. If you're willing to give God the credit and to say, Lord, you do this thing in my life, I'm going to give you the credit. He says, there's nothing I won't do for you, but I want the glory. Will you give him the glory? 
it's really a daily thing because when you think about it, when, when you walk through your life and you face challenges and you face some victories and some setbacks and greater victories and you face some goals being obtained and all of these things come into your life, you uh, have to stop and just before, before you take it all in and say, man, look at what I did, you have to look at that and say, if it had not been for the Lord, how many of you would have lost your mind if it had not been for Jesus? I mean, you face some, some challenges, some crisis in your family, in your marriage, in your children. You would have lost your mind if it had not been for the Lord. And so you and I have to say, Lord, yours is the glory. I didn't do it. Oh, I believed you. I trusted you. I, I did my part. But at the end of the day, you get the glory. You get the credit. You get the praise. When I come into this house, I'm not going to think about what I do and don't have and where I am and I'm not. I'm going to give you the glory. I'm going to give you the song. I'm going to give you my praise. I'm not going to say, oh, they're not singing the song I like. They're not singing the style I like. Oh, pastor's singing now. I can't sing those oldies with him. No, you got to say, yours is the glory. It belongs to you. When, when Job became uh, uh, sick and, and lost all of his, his children and his property, what was his, his response to that? He said, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He understood that the glory belongs to God no matter the circumstances. The three Hebrew boys, when they faced that fiery furnace, they, Nebuchadnezzar the king said, look, if you don't bow to my God, to my idol that I have built, I'm going to throw you in that fiery furnace. He said, I'm going to give you another chance to bow down. And they said, look, king, you don't have to give us another chance because we're not going to bow down. They said, our God is able to deliver us from the fire. But even if he doesn't, even if he doesn't do it when I want it, like I want it, where I want it, yours is the glory. That confession of absolute surrender of the praise and glory to God is at the very heart of all answered prayer. Scripture says this, Isaiah chapter 26, verse 8, O Lord, your name and your glory is the desire of my soul. Your name, O God, and your fame, I want you to be famous. I want you to get the credit. I want you to be boasted. You are going to get the glory out of my life. And that's why every day when you and I have to face the enemy, we need to face him head on and just say, look, devil, God is going to get the glory out of this life. God is going to get the glory out of my life. 
I don't care what you say. You can throw everything in my way. I'm going vi- to have victory. I'm going to have success. I'm going to have blessing because God is going to get the glory out of my life. Jesus said to the Pharisees, listen now, it's very important as I tie it all together. He said to the Pharisees, you don't believe because you seek the glory that comes from men and not the glory that comes from God. Why is that so important? Because if you're looking for personal glory, if you're looking for personal fame, if you're looking for the credit, God says that becomes a hindrance to your faith. But when you lay that down and you say, Lord, I don't care who gets the credit. I don't care who gets the glory. I don't care if I get a plaque. I don't care if I get a certificate. I don't care if I get a ribbon. I don't care if they write my name in the program. I don't care if they mention that I brought uh, toothpicks to the church barbecue. I don't care about all of that. I want you to get the glory. When you lay that down, Confession becomes so powerful. It becomes a foundation of answered prayer. Because we can say, Lord, you are God and there's no one else. Yours is the kingdom and yours is the power. And yours is the glory. I know that you're a jealous God. I know that you won't share your glory with anybody. Let the lights go off of me. And let the lights go on to you. Let the world know that it was Jesus that did this thing in my life. Come on, somebody. Let's stand up and give him the glory tonight. Vamos a pararnos esta noche y darle la gloria. Come on, just raise your hand.